When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, and welcome back to Realistic Sustainability. I'm Mike, and I'm here with Nick. Oh, thank God I'm here, brother. I know. Uh, most people don't know this because we pre-record a lot of our episodes, so we do it in chunks, but it's been a while since you and I have even had an opportunity to do this. It's been a hot minute in Texas. It's been, I think, uh, what, three weeks? Three weeks, because you took some time off. Yeah, um, I got the COVID. You did get the COVID. So it was a forced vacation yeah it was what i call a romanalicious holiday <laughs> oh well i'm happy you're feeling better and that you're you're back and everything is a-okay yeah um, i appreciate that i'm at like maybe 85 percent um is kind of the number i've been telling people because i'm not a hundred i still have moments like where i feel short of breath and where i get real congested and cough up phlegm and stuff but for the most part i feel okay Good. I'm glad to hear it. And uh, I'm glad that we can get back to all the fun that is realistic sustainability. Yes, there's nothing I like more than poking the bear of capitalism. Let's do it. <laughs> and, and today we get to do that a little bit because we're going to talk about personal transportation and how it affects the environment and us as people, including our finances. <laughs> the irony is, if people have really good finances, they can afford the cars that don't affect the environment so much. But for those of us poor folk, most of the things that we buy probably kill a tree every time we turn the key on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it, the biggest problem is, is transportation or personal transportation is, well, I don't want to say personal transportation only, but all transportation is the number one emitter on this planet, right in front of your favorite commercial agriculture. Yay. So when we talk about transportation, there's a lot of things we can talk about. Personal transportation, which is obviously cars, trucks, the things we drive every day, motorcycles, possibly even farm tractors, things that are in a normal household or in some normal households. We, When, when you and I talk about it, we're just going to call it personal transportation and just stick to cars and trucks. Okay. There's also mass transit, which depending on where you live can either be very big or very small. There's shipping for, you know, like semis, for an example, or ships themselves, vessels moving product from continent to continent, trains and planes. In this episode, we're just going to stick with personal tr transport. All right. Now, we do have some listeners that are out of the United States. I think we need to start off with, yes, we know we're spoiled. We have all this extra space all these roads and everybody has all these cars that it's almost a common thought that every person has their own car. Yeah. This, these kinds of topics are what I usually preface by saying first world problems, because we do really like right now we're picking a fight with something that most countries still are struggling to even get. And now when I say get, I don't mean the quantities that we have, but I just mean in general, like for me, I have a, truck and my wife has a car and we have a third vehicle for all intents and purposes 
only for when one of the other ones breaks. It literally sits there and does nothing until something breaks and we need another vehicle to drive. There's a lot of countries where they don't even have one vehicle in a family. Well, so, and, well there's also countries that have moved beyond the individual vehicles to where mass transportation is working well. You know, I, when I was in Italy, yes, there's a boatload of cars on the road. They're all the size of a go-kart and they're hustling around, but you still had a tremendous amount of people on the buses. You had, mm-hmm. you know, excellent rail systems, all these other mass transit options. Most people didn't drive individual vehicles. One of the things that I think about when you say that is that we have a lot of different mass transit companies here too, but generally mass transit companies usually only go into cities like the MTA that we have in Flint. They will service all of Genesee County with certain programs like their year ride program where you can call and request a ride and it's a a subsidized amount, two or three dollars, and they'll come out and they'll pick you up and take you to where you need to go. But just in general mass transit, unless you're in the city of Flint downtown, you don't have access to that bus. And so a lot of the mass transit places don't really service the the outer, you know, townships and smaller areas. Like the town I live in is I think the population's about four thousand people, unless you Unless you're a kid going to school, there's no bus picking you up. Yeah, and that's a lot of other countries don't have as much urban sprawl as we do. We, in a lot of places, have to go a great distance for real basic things. That's one of the Mm -hmm. reasons why in the U.S. a lot of people have their own transportation or vehicle. I had a professor who was from Seattle who moved to the Midwest to teach at U of M, and he was utterly shocked by the amount of space and how far you have to go at times to get something where everything was right around his house. He could walk, you know, 80% of the places in mass transit, the rest of them here. It's not quite so easily done. Yeah. That that's a luxury of living inside of a, a really concentrated city. When I lived in Illinois, I didn't live in Chicago. I lived in one of the suburbs about 25 minutes out of downtown. But when I'd go downtown, I could spend an entire day downtown. And I wasn't outside of a 10 or 15 minute walk of any place I would want to go. And if I had to go, it was a 20 minute metro rail ride. It wasn't terrible. And it was really easy. I really enjoyed it, actually. Versus here we live back in Michigan. And if I want to go anywhere, it's a 25, 30 minute drive to, to see you. 30 minutes to go to, to the local shopping centers in Flanders, Saginaw, 30 minutes. If I want to go to see a movie, it's 25. There's nothing local. Right. Well, and that and that really amplifies what we're about to talk about. The fact that everybody has a vehicle of some kind is one of the reasons why we have so many emission concerns in the well in the United States or in the world. So when we talk about personal transportation, I'm going to stick to the method. I'm not going to say okay, today we're talking about scooters, but or cars, trucks, you know, all the f- options. I'm going to start with internal combustion. Now, okay. years years ago, we had a bigger problem with internal combustion and that was the fact that people pretended like lead was good for us. <laughs> So not only were we emitting you know, the, the emissions that we are today, but we were also sending lead into the air, and, and especially in major city areas. Luckily, that is in the past, that no matter how much people pretended like it wasn't a problem, the effects of reality did show, and it did get removed from vehicles, and it's just a bad part of history now. But internal combustion engines are definitely still embedded in the American spirit, 
and as it's almost considered as part of being American. We cool. identify as our car. Well, you got to realize that I don't, I don't know if we identify as our car, but I will say that that was one of the big contributions that we had to the world was the, you know, our, our automotive industry, not to say that other companies in other, in other countries didn't do as good. It may be even in some situations, a better job. I know Italy has put on a lot of really nice cars, but that was kind of our thing. But also now that I've said that a lot of it in terms of a perpetuating legacy that we have to deal with is that the, the newer designs of vehicles that, that have better, either better emissions or flat out have none like the electric vehicles. They're super out of the price range of majority of people. As much as I love a Tesla, I don't have the money to buy one. And as much as I love a, a brand new car that has really great emissions, I, I can't afford that either. So I'm relegated to buy the cars in my price range, which are anywhere from $2,500 to $5,000. And yeah, they get you from point A to point B. But no matter what you'll do, you never get the check engine light to turn off. You're, you almost always need to exhaust work. Like they're, they're, barely get, they're barely going. And that's an issue. And there's thousands in every city. Like I can't, there's 4,000 people in Montrose. There's probably 10,000 cars. I mean, people collect our, them. They hoard them. It's a hoarded item in some areas where you have three barely functioning vehicles and you play vehicle roulette in the morning. I literally just said, that's what we do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we have three for that reason. I grew up, I grew up in a house that had a field of cutlasses that on cold winter nights, you could hear the rust moving as they, they, they drug themselves closer to stay warm. And then there was always Camaro breeding season. Like we, I know people that hoard vehicles if you get my drift. <laughs> well, the, I do remember the cutlasses. And my favorite part of that story is that it's easily seen from Google Earth. Yes, it was easily seen from Google Earth. There, There is a a contributing, like a little sub fact that I find hilarious. Recently, he uh, had had the entire back three acres brush hogged and he found... Oh, I don't remember the number. It was somewhere between 10 and 15, maybe more fenders and quarter panels and stuff that he had forgotten he even had. And so when I went over there the last time, you know, when it was still nice outside, he had a bunch of pallets sitting out next to the big barn with these these really nice fenders. He's like, these are the ones that are still good. And I was like, isn't leaving them like that how they got there in the first place? Because I don't even know how many he found it through LA. <laughs> But it, it's it's it is a real thing, and it's not just that household or even your town. There's it's, a lot of them. There's a boatload of vehicles out there that are simply just not efficient in any way. And there's even a pride factor in some cases. I I spent time in other states, and I see the rolling coal. You know, I'm going to drive by little cars, stomp on my gas, and let smoke blow all over them. So there's even a pride factor to purposely being inefficient. I think that, I don't think it's a pride factor being inefficient. I think that there's a certain arrogance that comes with some of those vehicles because there are some vehicles that are really big and really expensive. And when you stomp on the gas, they make a big black cloud. And I'm talking about turbo diesels. Right. They're ridiculous. And I don't actually know what the emissions are like for those trucks, but I can tell you, and this happens to me almost weekly, I'll be at a stoplight and I'll hear this this high pitch humming noise. And then I realize that the diesel next to me is charging. So when it turns green, by the time my truck even moves, I can't see anything for about 10 seconds. Like it's, it's flint for you, but I mean, it's just horrible. Well, and the funny part about it is, is I'm learning a little more about diesel just because I work in the auto industry and a lot of the emissions is 
that you're seeing there is just optical that carbon that you're seeing come out of the exhaust that's more particulate matter a lot of the uh, the emissions are being dozed it's uh, a spray that goes into a chemical change for the catalytic converter so they're not necessarily over you know sending out extra emissions it's still it pretty regulated bad. it just gotcha. looks bad it's a uh, it's a bad optics it's arrogance at times but vehicles these days they're trying like heck and i and i'm part of that because i work in air and fuel mm -hmm. in the auto industry and it's becoming more and more challenging to meet the standards we do it with a better miles per gallon rating obviously like we talked about catalytic converters and dozers but reducing vehicle size you know as you're seeing as time goes on vehicles are getting smaller and smaller and smaller and even the bigger ones are getting lighter you know my full-sized pickup that i have shuts down cylinders as i drive you've mentioned my start stop <laughs> the start stop feature on my vehicle that when every time i stop at a stoplight someone thinks my vehicle is stalled it is so they've come up with all these different ways to try to wiggle themselves into a space because the auto industry isn't quite ready to move beyond it yet. Well, I think that I I agree for starters, but I also have to go back to the the market isn't there. The and when I say the market's not there, I'm not saying they won't sell. They will sell eventually, but I'm really talking about the customer basis. They're just until they are able to market a much, much cheaper brand new version of, you know, something that is either full electric or some type of hybrid that is really a truly great improvement, we're going to keep seeing these people drive beaters. And I, I long for the day that I can afford something that doesn't look like it loses 10 pounds of metal every time it stops. Yeah. I do. I I think we've all had those vehicles. I have a laundry list history of those vehicles. It is part of the American way as you move forward in life, I think, at times. But I think there's also, there's people out there who could afford these other vehicles, easily afford these other vehicles, but they can't feel it. They don't feel the vehicle when they're driving. They don't have the rumble or the sound of the engine. The American muscle feels, because I've heard that. I've heard that quite a few times. Like, I don't want to have to, I like to turn down the radio to hear my engine. Well, if you do that with an electric, you're going to sit there in silence. Well, I think I agree with that, but I, I, I kind of chuckled when you said that because I am not above the enjoyment of a loud motor. I, I was raised with muscle cars. I like that stuff. I love drag racing. I really do. I enjoy it. Do I think that you need to have a car with 900 horsepower motoring down your road with glass packs on? No, I don't. I think everything has its place, but... I, it's one of those, I guess I don't, I'm not going to call it a necessary evil, but I do believe that there is, there are some things that you like and that I like, and there are things that everyone is going to like, and even though we know it's not necessarily great in this area mm -hmm. or things that we do in our daily life that we probably could change, but we don't. And for me, one of the things that I've always been a fan of, I do enjoy muscle cars and I know it's a terrible technology in terms of sustainability and that kind of stuff. It's kind of like, you know, every time I say that we're trained, your whole body gets rigid. <laughs> it's, but it's true. I, I, I enjoy that kind of stuff. Just it, it, now, if you want to crucify me and kick me off the show, I will cry and throw a fit and I'll make family gatherings very awkward. So you can't do that. <laughs> No, but, uh, it is fun. And I grew up in the same family. I still have, I love, you know, old uh, 78 Firebirds. I love all the Monte Carlos, no matter how large they become. 
Oh, I'm never going to let you forget that 76 you had. I had a 76. I had an 86. And I had an 01. I had three Monte Carlos in my life. But the 86 is a G body. It's classy. (laughs) The 76 looks like a pimp Saturday night car. It had theater lighting in the back. Like the door was the length of like a Subaru. Yeah, you open it up, bounce, chicka, bow, wow. <laughs> so I'm not above all of this. You know, again, I drive a Silverado. Now, do I purposely drive less and do I make sure that I use cruise and do the things I can? Yeah, when you get in my truck, it says my Silverado gets 30.5 miles per gallon. Rub it uh, in. <laughs> because I drive it with respect. I used to race too. It is a lot of fun, but. As we'll get to a little later, just because it rumbles doesn't make it a better race car. I have a I have a Ram that just burps when you start it. Like it just guzzles the gas and burps. That's all it does. When you when you you try to figure out the gas mileage, it literally says ha 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 ha. It's horrible. I Wait. love that truck. <laughs> so the automotive industry tried to originally make a change, and when they did, they did it with hybrids. I don't know if you've had any experience in a hybrid. I have had only one experience in a hybrid. The biggest problem I ran into is that is exactly what you're talking about. They are extremely expensive. The Chevy Volt is the only one I think I've ever ridden in. That's a hybrid, right? The Volt? Yes, it is. I wasn't. Granted, the one I I rode in was pretty, I think, early on in their production. I don't know how many years they made them, if they're still in production or not. But it, I wasn't overly impressed. I felt like the switching from the electric, electric to the, the gas motors, uh, it didn't. I think, yeah, that is a Volt, right? That's what I'm thinking of. Mm-hmm. It it was kind of like they did a half job on both. So it's a great concept. You know, it could switch back and forth. You could switch in between. But it, did, it wasn't efficient. I didn't really care for it. I, I didn't own it, mind you. I was just riding it at friends. But well, I didn't think very good job it seemed more of like a placebo like they just kind of kicked it out to make certain people happy without actually putting any you know thought into the design well and i think some of it was we had to get people ready for the change of what it's like to be in an electric because when you stop at a stop sign and it stops like a golf cart (laughs) and you there Mm -hmm. is no sound there is no rumble you almost want to restart it before you move on and you don't have to do that you know, there's no creep. If the if the internal combustion engine is off and you're on battery and you let off the gas, you don't move forward. No, well, yeah, but I agree with that wholeheartedly. I will say that there is something that people will have to be retrained if they do purchase an electric vehicle in that regard, because there's a lot of muscle memory that you have from driving gas powered cars or lawnmowers or anything that's got an internal combustion engine for years. You expect certain things in your car. Like I can tell you, like. As I push my brake pedal down on my truck, I can feel it coming to a stop. And I know exactly when to take the, my foot off the pedal so there's no jerk. Just like with my gas, when I do that, the truck just goes forward. My truck, if, if you, I swear to God, on a flat road in the parking lot, will idle 20 miles an hour. That is not going to be a factor on electric vehicles because every time you get a new vehicle, you have to relearn it. And I think automotive industry knew that they were going to come out with something that was going to confuse everybody just a little bit, but it is something we learned because for an example, anti-lock brakes, when I first started driving, I was taught to pump my brakes when I was sliding. Well, if I do it now 
it's either a lockup because I'm pumping at the same time as the vehicle, or we just roll because I'm off key with the truck. I have to now just stomp on it and get away from my instincts. We have to learn those things anyways, as technology takes our job over. Well, yeah, I mean, like as time goes on and technology improves, you always have to learn something new. I tried to not have to say this, but here it comes. People hear what they don't understand. And anything new is something no one understands. And if, especially with cars, because it is such an expensive purchase, there is going to be a lot of apprehension or apprehensiveness. And I still think it's not just the cost, but you're associated with your vehicle. You know, a lot of times, now granted, there are people who buy transportation just as transportation. But the reason why you pick one over another is because you either like it better or you see yourself in it or I've always wanted one of those or whatever it happens to be. We have an identity tied to our vehicle. Yeah, I think that I agree with that. I think that for the people that are fortunate enough or have worked hard enough or have made the right decisions to financially be able to pick vehicles like that, because there's a lot of us that it's whatever is available at the time and meets your budget. I think that there is a lot more flexibility for those people because a lot of people, okay, for instance, my favorite truck, I've always loved them. I've always loved them are dualies. There is never in my life going to be a moment where I need a dually. And so I'm not going to have one. I just think they're cool. If I don't need it, I'm not going to buy it. Now there will come a day in the future. Maybe when I'm 90, I'm going to buy a muscle car. I am not going to need a muscle car. I am going to buy one that can be driven and I'm not going to soup it up, but I'm not going to build them over. That can be driven as a normal daily car. I'll just make the necessary changes to the motor, you know, update the gas the fuel injection, the exhaust, make it, you know, not quite as demonically evil to the earth. <laughs> well, you'll drive it less. This is a, a pleasure vehicle and pleasure vehicles are a little different. And that's part of realistic sustainability. There's certain things that just will not change. It's, the ones that we do that kind of make up for some of those. You're not going to drive it every single day to Detroit. It's going to be, it's a beautiful day outside. Let's get the Camaro out. Yeah, essentially. Hybrids, the hybrid sections should be short because I think it was kind of a half thought concept to begin with when it came into automotive industries. And I think it's being phased out rather quickly and that we should just move on to the electric vehicles. So one of the things you said was that they're really expensive and Tesla has kind of changed that a little bit. Now, granted, their production volume isn't as high as it could be. So it might be actually harder to get one just because you got to get one. But Tesla starts at about $34,000 for a brand new vehicle where that's pretty par for a nice sedan. I agree. And when I said they're very expensive, I wasn't referencing in comparison to other vehicles. I'm referencing to the fact that they're just not in the price range from the majority of the working force in states like Michigan. I'm not saying there's not a lot of people in Michigan don't make a good living. There are. I mean, I think when they did the math, our state's average income is like $50,000 a year per person, which obviously isn't a terrible living by any stretch of the means, but I can tell you there's more people on the low end of that, that are being offset by a few hundred thousand really high earners. I just think that there's not one. I think that if they can market one that's around like the 20,000, maybe even like 18 to 20,000, they would be a little more realistic for a lot of people. I know that we would have a better shot at getting one than because 30 is not bad. 30, 35,000 is a very fair price. 
it's just still a little higher than what I think most people are prepared to spend on, especially something that's still kind of a new technology and isn't really perfected yet, even though it is getting better and better. Well, the the price range that you're talking, you're, you'd have a, you'd be hard pressed to get a brand new internal combustion engine vehicle for twenty thousand dollars. The the concept I'm hoping for is that as more and more Teslas hit the market, as as we see more the the Nikola pickups, these you know GM bringing the Bolt and more and more electric vehicles hitting the market. I believe General Motors just released the electric Hummer coming soon. So you're seeing more and more Jeep has gone all electric on the Wrangler. The there's a pretty amazing Ram that's all electric. Are you serious? Yes. I did not and know that. It probably cost a couple hundred thousand dollars too. They are definitely not on the low end of the scale. But as they as these technologies are coming out, they become more mainstream. As people buy, as early adopters buy and then go, ooh, another one, and they throw that to the used market, that's when we start seeing electric vehicles filter through society quicker. Is when more are bought new, then more come out used. And that is when we can get more layers of electric vehicles out there. But what is the thing, when I sell you an electric vehicle, what are the things that you look at and say, oh, I can't have an electric vehicle because of this? Uh, I actually don't really have anything like that. I personally don't have any reason not to have it other than the fact that I cannot afford one. The only concern I think of is that because of the because of the area that I live in, I wouldn't have a clue where to go charge it. I wouldn't outside of, you know, maybe putting a charging station in at my house, which would make sense. I'm not really sure where you would go out in Flint to stop and charge electric car or yeah, Saginaw. Yeah, that is one of the major one of the major things is the infrastructure. Tesla has made a deal with Myers in Michigan. And they're Excellent. taking the outlots much further away from the store. It's like the furthest possible point but they're putting about 10 to 15 charging stations in. And, and that same one in Swartz Creek that we've talked about in the past and just now, that is almost every time you pull in there, there's someone charging in that station. But that is one of the biggest complaints or one of the biggest things that people talk about is the lack of infrastructure. What if I wanted to go on a trip? Now, most of the time, you're just going to work. Most of the time, you're, you're driving around home, you're doing the normal things and with a range between 280 and 420 miles, it doesn't affect anyone's life. Yeah, that's actually a decent range. I didn't even know it was that long. Am I to assume that the di the varying range is, right, okay, hold on. Is the range varied on the vehicle like in question or is the range in how fast you drive it? There are variables with ambient temperatures, how you drive the vehicle, if it has regenerative braking. There's a there's a handful of things that can change it, but a $34,000 Tesla has less battery capacity than the fancy Teslas that have a much higher capacity. So some of it is battery rating, but there are some other factors to how you drive it to how far you can go. These are just standard ratings. Well, that's what I was curious about because I've never driven an owned electric vehicle. I just kind of assume that the faster it goes and the power it uses, just like the faster you go in a internal combustion, the worse your gas mileage is. I, so I didn't know. Now, you said you say regenerative braking. What is that? Regenerative braking is that when you go to stop the vehicle, it uses basically the friction of generators to help slow you down. 
And while it turns that generator, it induces voltage back to the battery. So you're taking some of the motion that you already have when you're driving and converting it back to battery energy. I uh, have a friend of mine who works at GM and I asked him one day and I was like, couldn't you just remove the alternator off your motor and attach it under the bottom of the car and put another wheel on it that just just it just free spun while you drove? He's like, oh, that would never work. It, w- it wouldn't it wouldn't turn enough to produce any power. And while I don't know the mechanics behind how to do that or if not, it would produce enough power. That sounds pretty similar to I mean, if as it breaks. Because it is, it's friction and it's turning, so why not? Yeah, it's just taking some of the money or, well, some of the energy you spent to get to that speed and get a little piece of it back by yeah, by, by pushing that back into the battery. So when it comes to EVs, there is, you know, the, the limited fueling, if you will. People have range anxiety. There's actually a term for it now. Oh, it's only 280 miles. Well, you drive 30 miles to work. You know, yeah, so like, you're going to charge when you get home. Will you ever have a problem? Well, yeah, like it's kind of why would you judge that purchase based on a trip? I mean, 280 miles at an average of 60, 60, what, five miles an hour, four hour trip. How often do you take a four hour trip? Right. You're going to judge that per something you may do once a year. Yeah. And one and, you know, unfortunately, we're we're a culture of but I could. And, you know, and this would take it away when it doesn't necessarily do so. There's so many charging stations across the United States. You could easily map out a trip. But uh, there's also the fact that it takes longer to fuel. That's why you're seeing those in Myers, because they want to be able to have you go in and go grocery shopping for the half hour fuel as you're charging. That's not a terrible. That's for a full charge. That's not terrible. Really, it isn't. The goal for Tesla is to be able to get it under 15 minutes. But right now, a supercharger can do it in 30 that's still good though. You can't even charge your phone in 30. So, <laughs> well, and what's funny is performance wise compared to an internal combustion engine, there isn't any comparison. An electric vehicle has instant torque, which has always been really cool for a car. But think about a truck when you're pulling, you're pulling something up a mountain or however it is. When I take my travel trailer to Virginia, it can be a challenge. But with instant torque, there is no need to. F- feather the gas you know you you do if you need to go you go i think that when you when you mentioned stuff like that the thing that interests me the most now with electric vehicles is there a separate motor on each wheel yeah so and those are probably pretty heavy i'd assume mm-hmm. so for a pickup truck i don't know if they're all four-wheel drive or two-wheel drive or it's a different i don't know how any of that stuff works but with a like a, an internal combustion pickup truck if you don't have weight in the bed it is very hard to get traction unless you're driving on a normal, average, warm day that's dry. Right now, it's the beginning of January. I got stuck yesterday morning going to work. Now, when I say I got stuck, I don't mean that there were six inches of snow. I don't mean you know, I got plowed in. I mean that I parked on ice and the truck wouldn't move. There was zero traction. And not even with your foot in the gas. You put it in drive and the idle would just spin the tires. I had to get out and physically push it myself out off of that space. Um, so the concept of those those engines, like, you know, individually kind of excites me because that the extra weight's going to help the traction. So that, and the torque's going to be amazing. Yeah, the all wheel drive instant torque in itself is something to be in awe of if you're in one of them. Matter of fact, I even kind of chuckled because at one point when Tesla came out with its pickup, 
which really looks futuristic and quite a bit different than a normal vehicle. Looks like it's off the Michael Bay Transformers movie. It does. It does. One of the big three automakers came out and said, oh, one of ours is so much better. Let's do a tug of war. I chuckled because let's face it, the electric vehicle is immensely heavier and has all-wheel drive with instant torque. This is going to make a very short story if they ever did it. Someone went back and told this gentleman that was a bad idea and it never did happen. But it's one of those things that we always talk about the gas truck is better, the gas truck is better until you actually measure them. And it is not. No, there's no way the gas could really compete with that. Because if they were going to do a tug of war, if it's instant torque, the moment that you put your foot down or hit a button or however you gauge it in those fancy futuristic awesome machine, (laughs) however you do it, though, it's instantaneous. If you're in my, like for my truck or even your truck, really, when you put your foot on the gas, it takes about half to three quarters of a second for you to even feel it move. So, and that may not seem like a long time, but it'll seem like an eternity once you feel yourself get jerked backwards, like instant, instant. And it's amazing. You can't really get faster than that. Yeah. I used to joke around that when I had the old one money Carlo, when I used to drag race my little street car that Mm -hmm. I waited for the second yellow light to turn on. And then I stomped on the gas as hard as I could, because by the time I responded and then the vehicle responded, it was green. It is a slow process in an internal combustion engine compared to an electric. Well, yeah. And also doesn't help the fact that your brain only processes things so fast. So when you're sitting at the drag strip and it's uh, it's red, red, yellow, yellow, green, as that light's turning, by time it's on your second light and you're realizing you had to put the gas pedal down, that's two seconds gone. Unless you're really, really good and you really expect it and you have the timing down. I think like perfect reaction time is a half second. Yeah, it depends on how they measure it. Some places it's zero, zero, zero. Some it was point five zero zero. But anyways, I'm going to skip a portion of this that we were we were planning on talking about because I really think it's its own show. I wanted to talk about self-driving vehicles, but I think we're going to move that to its own because there's just yeah. so much there. The one thing I think that I really need to do about electric vehicles is say that it is not a zero emission vehicle. It is especially currently not a zero emission vehicle. Yes, it doesn't have a tailpipe. Well, because we have to plug it in into our electrical grid, it is a natural gas, coal and oil vehicle still. The difference is, is that the emissions that we're getting from the coal plant are centralized at the plant. We're not driving around, spreading them out around as we go. Until the electrical grid changes or you have a home that offsets with solar, or you charge at a solar city slash Tesla charging station that has the solar panels. It is not zero. It, okay. is, it is still using the grid. And that's what a lot of people use against electric vehicles is that you're still using fossil fuels. You just feel better about it. And they're right. But that isn't a problem with the car. That's a problem with our slow minded move to a real electrical grid. No, I agree with that. But when people say things like that, they're just when people are against change because they don't understand it, they reach for uh, like blanket terms to kind of drop the conversation or to leave people speechless. Just because if you can leave someone stunned, then you're not wrong, even though the whole premise is wrong. So you're right. They do use fossil fuels. I think it's that uh, was it. Thank you for smoking movie that says. I don't have to be right. I just have to make them wrong. It makes me right by default. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
yeah. But that that's 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 really a really easy way to get away with doing some pretty heinous stuff. And I'm not get away the the evils of like fossil fuels. We've talked about that. But we and until we have electric grids that are used with truly or produced with renewable resources, it's a semi necessary evil if you want heat in the winter. Yeah, it's but, a reality. It's it's things we have to have until we get progress. Now why we haven't had progress is a whole different problem. But as more and more people move to these, I'll tell you, if more people move to electric vehicles, the electrical grid will not function. As it sits now, it will stress the grid to where they have to revamp it. And well, if yeah. they have to revamp it, they'll they'll need to do it right. Well, didn't you say at one time that they they produce what they need, they have no way to really store it. And so if more people start switching and switching, it, it's going to completely stress the grid. Well, think about youth... it. It stresses in the summertime now. Yeah. And you'll still need to drive in the summer. So it, the more and more electric vehicles that hit the market, and they're going to, they're, it is the it is going to change. And that's going to get us here now into the, the future of driving. The more and more vehicles that switch over, it's going to stress that grid. They'll have to move more to these smart micro grids using a lot of renewables then it will become clean. But mm-hmm. as, it, as it stands right now, by the book, the people with the, the naysaying like that aren't taking into account that they're helping change the process by moving to electric. They're just looking for that one piece that makes them right, which is it's still a fossil fuel vehicle. And for a while, it will be. But I will tell you, it's more efficient. It will, if you do equivalent miles to the gallon, it is e- immensely better than internal combustion. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. So when you, if you have a electric car and you plug it in at your house, which I assume you don't, I mean, if, if they've got a range of 280 miles and they only drive 17 or 18 miles a day, you don't have to plug it in, but once every couple of weeks, if you really want to. And it has a stop charge. You can, you can plug it in and when it's full, it stops charging too. So it's always stays topped. Well, yeah, that would, I'd assume make your cost pennies a day versus, well, let's see, I could put $20 a day in my truck and almost run out of gas well the depends on the power plant uh consumers energy does not have a plan but here in michigan but dte in detroit does dte will charge you i think it's 50 dollars a month and on your charging station and then it charges as much as it needs to charge oh so they they offer a separate rate completely for that well they do consumers does not currently I assume as more and more vehicles switch to that, companies will make their changes as they need to. But it is not nearly as cost deviant as some like to think. Well, I mean, $50 a month, if that's all they're charging, that's nothing compared to what I I pay 200 a month for gas minimum on just one vehicle. Mm -hmm. When it comes to the future of transportation, That's when people get scared because I think we're already starting to see the switch to electric. Every company, including the big three, have made it a priority because they're well behind companies like Tesla and they're trying to scramble to catch up. Mm -hmm. And we're starting to see a lot of shared vehicles. You're starting to see, I can rent a vehicle for a day and it's not just Avis anymore. You're getting picked up by Uber you know, there's going to be a point where vehicles can drive themselves and that's going to be a whole different show, but you can order a car at some point here in our near future and just the car will show up. 
you can drive it for the day, pay for it for the day. And when you get out of it, it will drive back to where it needs to go. And the cost will be so low, it will be cheaper than a monthly car payment. I think that when we get to a place with technology where the self-driving cars are 100% or not 100, but as close as they can be, that is going to be beautiful. I don't think that, I don't think that they're that far off right now. And I'm not going to get really like deep into this because you, you said we have to do a whole nother show on it, but I think that it's a really great concept. And I think that it's something that a lot of people are scared of, but with all two new technologies, there's going to be hiccups. And this is something that's a lot different than anything else we've ever really experienced. So there's going to be some things that have to be worked out. And I'm sure there's got to be new things that need to be added to kind of perfect the, the way they um, sense everything around them. But in the future, it's going to be spectacular. It, I, I, I long for the concept of like the next generations of people that are going to grow up with this stuff as like their everyday technology. And we're talking about it like it's this futuristic thing. Like it's going to be awesome. I can't wait. I'm excited. Well, well, people are just going to get in and continue their day. I would love to get into a vehicle and open my laptop and continue to work and be able to count that time towards work instead of sitting in the building for a period of time and then going in transit for this useless period of time while I'm driving. I would love to just get in the vehicle, take me where I'm supposed to go. And when I get there, get out. But that also takes us removing the feeling that transportation is part of our identity. Some of the enjoyment of driving, as some will say, that stuff has to kind of go to the wayside and transportation just becomes a way to get from point A to point B. I agree. I will say that I don't think there's anything wrong with enjoying driving, but what I what I do believe is that kind of more so speaks to people's lack of passion for what they do for a living. If, if their defense of that is why I like to drive just really shows you how much you hate your job. So I think this, I don't know, this sounds so cool in my head. It would be amazing to go, Hey, let's go on a road trip. Let's just go across the country and pick all these places and pick, like get a big, a bigger vehicle, like, like a panel van or something. And it has like, if it had auto drive, you could all climb in. And you could ride in the back and have play board games and have conversations and have real quality time spent while it just drives you where you, you want to go. That is so much cooler than taking ships pumped up on Red Bull trying to drive 10 hours because you don't want to pay for a hotel. Yeah, it's I think once it gets past the naysayers, as time goes on, we'll find more and more people because honestly... And I'm going to end it here when it comes to self-driving and automation. There's a large society, large group of people in society who can't drive, either because they're handicapped, their age has taken something from them to the point where they can't drive. There's so many people out there that don't have the opportunity that once these, once these vehicles become part of society, they can be too. They can come back out into society just like everybody else and, and be able to go anywhere yeah there's a huge amount of people that are medically handicapped from from driving whether it's a an injury or they're blind or you know what i mean there's a lot of people that are limited that that are relying on other services to get them where they need to go and i'm super happy that those services services exist for them however when that day comes and they get their independence back that's going to be beautiful yeah it is and so We'll stop there. We're going to stop there. We've kind of touched on all, you know, the three main parts of (laughs) 
the three main parts of uh, automobiles, the internal combustion, the hybrid, and the EV. And I'm sure we've left out a bunch of stuff. So if anybody listening, feel free to let us know. We love hearing comments. Super excited that Nick is back. Thank you all for listening. And Nick, I'm, I'm expecting 100% next time. I'm hoping for 100% today. <laughs> I, I, I'm happy that you're happy, and I, I really hope I don't disappoint you. I will get you 100% as soon as my body gives me the green light. Well, that's all for this week. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, let us know. Send us a message on our Facebook page or group. Leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. These reviews, comments, those are how we get found in the search engines, which means the more you do it, the easier it is for others to find this podcast. As always, we appreciate you for listening. We appreciate your support. And remember, we only have to get a little better than we were yesterday. Little bit, little bit, well, it always results in big bit. Thanks again. I'm Mike. And I'm Nick. And we'll see you next week. If you have the desire to be sustainable but are unsure of what can go in the recycling bin or you're constantly forgetting the reusable grocery bags, check out Starting Sustainability, the podcast. Don't be frustrated or confused anymore. Starting Sustainability was created to help those beginning their sustainable journey. Each week, we give ideas on simple concepts you can easily incorporate into your current lifestyle. We also share stories of what works and what doesn't, so you don't have to waste your time and money. Check out Starting Sustainability, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.